And in doing so, what I am wanting and desiring to do is to help you, to equip you in understanding the principles that God has set for us as the body of Christ. Yes, you are peculiar. Some of you more peculiar than others. But uh, praise the Lord. We're beginning another series uh, with the same theme regarding the body of Christ. Speaking of the body of Christ, discovering God. And I want to talk to you for about 10 minutes. I want to just discuss something with you that we must comprehend before we move on in understanding ourselves and especially discovering God and really who he is. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14 and Mark chapter 1. In John chapter 14, Mark chapter 1, we are going to read in a little bit. But this series, we will study many encounters that Jesus has with people. And we're going to study these people and how they came up to Jesus and how Jesus responded to them. The truth given in our desire here in the next six to seven weeks is by discovering Jesus, you discover God, because Jesus is God. We need to realize that it is important that the body of Christ see God correctly. I'll say it this way, your concept of God affects everything you do in this life. How you see God will affect every decision and everything you do in life. So if you think God is a critical God, you're going to have a hard time spending time with him. And when we put something up on the, on the uh, screen here and, and we say, today's scripture for you to read, you're not going to want to read it because you think that God is critical and you don't want to get in the Word because you know God's going to say something critical about you. Now, I know we're going to serve God. I know we're going to attend church because we're born again and we have that in our spirit. But our concept of God is so vital because we are the body of Christ. So here's my thought. If God is a mean person... Why would you spend time with a mean person? If God is a taskmaster to you, it is impossible to sit down and relax with him, to listen, to hear his voice, because you are so stressed out about your walk with God. You get stressed out about church. You get stressed out about anything regarding the spiritual. By the way, God is not mean or a taskmaster. So the question in our discussion here at the beginning is, why would you go to someone when you fail who is a judgmental person? You want to go to someone who is a forgiving person. So again, it's very important as the body of Christ, in how you see God. Let me make a strong statement now, trying to make my point. 
Many people really don't worship God. They worship their concept of God. Many people don't pray to God. They pray to their concept of God. What is a concept? Very simply, it's who they think God is and how they think he works or operates. And even though we think God operates a certain way, there's times in your life and my life that the way we think of God is not scriptural. Many people don't tell others about God. They tell others about their concept of God. So your concept of God is very important, and we need to build our concept of God on Scripture. Everybody following me here? So this is my focus. We actually have a person who walked on this earth who is God that can, pers- that can perfect our concept of God, and his name is Jesus. So if he walked on this earth and he can perfect our concept of God so that in our concept of God we'll be perfected and matured, then the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, everything that we do, then will manifest because of a correct belief and concept of God. And so the will of God then has an open gate to manifest in our lives because we are thinking our concept is correct. So Jesus is God and he encountered many people. So here's the depth of what I am trying to say and all that I just said. If Jesus is a certain way, so is the Father. Okay, follow me with this. Many have a concept, the Father is harsh and judgmental, and, but Jesus is nice, he's kind, and he's compassionate. So if I say this correctly, then to some people, their concept of God is God is schizophrenic. God will do one thing for someone, and then another person, he'll be opposite. Are you following the thought here? Okay, so many have this concept. The Father brought the law, but Jesus brought grace. See, if it wasn't for Jesus holding back the Father, that mean ogre, we would be in a heap of trouble. You say, Pastor, that's kind of simple, but I want to tell you, if you look back in your life, many decisions and many things that happened in your life was either based upon a correct concept of God or a wrong concept of God, and your actions, your thoughts, what you said or what you didn't say was based upon 
those things. Because again, as I said in the last series, there's nothing wrong with God. If there's a problem, it's not God. And we need to figure out who that, <laughs> who the problem is. And regarding our concept of God, it's not his fault of lack of communication. Because God came to this earth and in the form of a baby, in the form of a human body, and he lived on this earth and he lived on this earth and he spoke and he thought and he reacted to people when they, when they encountered Jesus. And when Jesus acted on those things and reacted, Jesus actually showed us who the Father was. So the body of Christ, notice the term, the church, the body of Christ needs to know Christ. Needs to know Jesus and who he is. Now, many tell me they enjoy coming to Valley because... The God we talk about is not the God they were told about growing up. What they heard was God, who he was, was legalistic, harsh, angry, judgmental, critical, old, cranky God. That's not God. And so if you want to know how Father God is like, look at Jesus. He is the exact 100% replica of God, the Father, because he, Jesus, is God. So in this series, we're going to go to a lot of encounters that Jesus had, and we're going to see how Jesus reacted. And that's almost a wrong term, but I really... I, I toiled with that, how Jesus reacted. You know, it's like Jesus just, <sighs> and reacted. No, actually how Jesus acted, but how Jesus reacted to people coming to him. In John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Why? Because you've seen me. Jesus is talking to the disciples and says this of the Father. Verse 7, you know him and you have seen him, Father God. So when you see how Jesus acted, how Jesus reacted, you see Father God. How have the disciples seen the Father? According to Scripture, they saw the Father because they saw Jesus. And we have the recording of all of these encounters. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going we're to go to many encounters, and we're going to see Jesus, and we're going to see Fa Father God. We're going to see God. By knowing Jesus and who he is, we know Father God. Jesus said in the same chapter to the Pharisees, if you really knew what, knew what the Father was like, 
you would have known me when I arrived. He was saying, if you really, Pharisees, knew the Father like you talked about, when I arrived, you'd have said, there he is. But the Pharisees built a concept of an angry, mean, legalistic God. So when I came, he says, you didn't recognize me as God. You rejected me. He said, you didn't know me and rejected me because of your concept of God. Verse 8 is one of the funniest verses to me in the Bible in what we're discussing here. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. You say, well, what's so funny about that? Well, Philip says, Lord, if you will just bring the Father here, that's all we need, and we will finally believe you after all this time. I mean, these are some of the closest people to him. So if they struggled and, and were deceived at times, can you imagine even in our passion and desire to serve God and to be the church, the body of Christ, can you imagine how many times our very concept of God because of experiences is outside the realm of Scripture? Verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? I'll say it another way, dude, and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Father God is invisible, but if you want to see what he looks like, look at Jesus. <laughs> look at Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says this, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Scripture tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, is the exact image of the Father. That's what it's saying right there. So, body of Christ, let's know the Father through the exact image. Let's take a journey in the next couple months. And let's discover the Father. Let's discover God through discovering Jesus, the name of Jesus. See, the first encounter we will study is one who needs a miracle of healing. It's found in the book of Mark. But let me just now give you a little Bible history so that you understand how I studied and how I put things together here. You have four Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, 
people recorded in the book of John are not recorded, some of them are not recorded in the other three. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the third year of Jesus' ministry. So everything you read in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you're going you're gonna to read the third year of Jesus' ministry, all the encounters and everything. Now, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they still record the birth and the wilderness story, but all three of them you will read say this. After the death of John the Baptist, and then they begin recording. The death of John the Baptist happened two years after Jesus' ministry began. So the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are synonymous or similar. They record the same year. Now John, the book of John, which I love reading, John records the first two years of Jesus' ministry. He talks about Nicodemus, talks about woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, washing disciples' feet, that the others don't record. So what I'm doing here, I'm probably going to stay with the people that Jesus record, that the word records in the Synoptic Gospels, but just understand that in the history of the word and the Gospels, and in doing so, I think you're going to begin to see, as we jump from uh, chapter to chapter, you're, you're going to see uh, such uniqueness of perfectness of the writings of the Bible. In Mark chapter 1, a man with leprosy comes to Jesus and says this, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I did a teaching on this quite a while ago, over a year ago. And, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. I want to go, go at it in a different way here. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded, according to the law, as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. And, and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Because people needed the healing power of God, they needed who God was in their life, they would just throng him, and because of that, he couldn't even go into the city. So we're going to ask every single week this question. And, then, and you're going to hear it every single week. What did this person, the leper, learn from his personal encounter with Jesus? And we're going to learn there were three things. First of all, that Jesus had compassion. Who is your God, body of Christ? Jesus had compassion. When you are hurting and you're going through a tough time, as Scripture says, trials and tribulations. Jesus has compassion. 
God is concerned about your situation. Compassion means literally passion in action. Compassion is an active word that says he will do something with the passion he has towards you. When you have a struggle in your life, you're facing tribulation in your life, you must understand, body of Christ, that you serve a God, Jesus exemplified it, that you serve a God that has compassion for you and he has a plan for you and a purpose for you and he wants to act on you, on you and your situation. That's the God that you and I serve. You're not that old man up in the sky. This leper went to Jesus, and in the Greek, it implies he grabbed Jesus. Now, leprosy is contagious. The leper lived in a leper colony outside the city and had to yell unclean whenever he walked around the area, and people who were clean were around. Jesus' response to an unclean person is not, don't touch me, but compassion. I'm going to say it this way. Jesus' response is, idiot, get away from me. And there's many times our concept of God is that we have done something so awful that God is saying, idiot, get away from me. And we're wanting to go to a God that we believe can heal, can change our lives, can change someone else's life. And we are living this with this concept and this battle on the inside. Will God really do this? Will God really touch me? Look at Jesus. In the Old Testament law, if an unclean person touches a clean person, he, the clean, becomes unclean. But let me show you Jesus. If the unclean touches Jesus, the clean, the clean Jesus makes the unclean clean. So when you chase after God in your dilemma, in your feeling of worthlessness, and you're chasing God, thinking like, man, you're just, a, you're just that idiot, I want to tell you, that's not the way God thinks. That's not the way God looks at you. That's not the way God responds to you. Because of our concept of God in a wrong way, that's the way we respond to God. God has passion and compassion to touch your life. So isn't our concept of God very important? And if it's out of whack, it needs to change. The reason why I want you to understand this is all of us come to God unclean. You can run up to Jesus, who is like the Father. He will not say, get away from me. He'll say, come to me. He won't say, you're too dirty for me. You've messed up too much. 
You've said you'd do that many times and you didn't forget you. But some people have that concept. There's only so much he'll forgive. The only unpardonable sin is when you reject Christ. When you reject who God is. That's the only sin that's unforgivable because you made the choice. God chooses to have compassion for you. Why is that? Because God's compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. Everyone that came to Jesus were sinners. They weren't perfect. But I want you to know that no matter how bad you are today, you can come to Jesus and he, Jesus, is God. If you're hurting today, if you're going through toughest time in your life, the place you can go is to a compassionate God. Now, in those days, the leper was scorned and thought of as their sickness was God's judgment. Can you see how sickness and disease wants to deceive you and tell you the reason why God's not doing this is because he's judging you, because you have messed up, because you're just worthless. You're no good. You're nothing. That's a wrong concept of God. Jesus is waiting on you to come to him. See, again, it implied in the Greek that, that he ran and he grabbed. Can you imagine the disciples and everybody around going, oh! <laughs> Didn't record that Jesus reacted wrongly. The reason why the church can become so judgmental is our concept of God is he is judgmental. Let's break that, church. Jesus told the Pharisees that they missed the whole point of the Old Testament. Watch this, what he says. In Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Watch this. And neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. These you have ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Justice, mercy, and faith. That's the God that we serve. He's a just God. He's a merciful God. And he's a God that causes faith to manifest. Please know, body of Christ, Jesus is compassionate. I serve a compassionate God. The second thing the leper learns is that Jesus was willing. The leper asked, are you willing? <laughs> and Jesus answers, I am willing. Jesus didn't say, 
You know, I told you if you would have stopped and named seven things that you would have stopped, because some of you are really messing up in seven areas of your life, in eight areas of your life, in three areas of your life, in one area of your life. God does not look upon your sin. And I had a little facial like, mm, because that's what the enemy does. The enemy wants to bring back sin that's been forgiven. The enemy wants to bring back all the junk that you've done in your past. Today, it's all removed if you confess them, and it's a done deal. And when you even go to God, I mean, this is so simple. This is what Christina teaches across the way, right here. And if you go to God and say, God, do you remember what I did last year? I want to apologize to you again. I want to humble myself. And he said, what are you talking about? Because he's God. He's so willing that he's, he removes the memory of what you did in your past. Not from you from him. But when you don't have that concept of God, then what takes over lordship of your life? Your own memory. What someone did. What you did. Pastor said this, and he prayed over this, and this didn't happen. I'm angry! Because we have a wrong concept of God. He's willing, because remember, there. If there's ever a problem, it's not with God. <laughs> Hebrews 13.8 says, watch this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still willing. Amen. But the problem I want you to see is this. We don't understand the will of God. Jesus came to earth to show us the will of the Father, the will of God. In 2 Peter 3, 9, regarding God's will, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is not willing that people perish. Another way of saying that, it is not God's will that people perish. He's not planning to trip you up. So let me explain. We just think of it, of it if it's God's will, it just happens. I'll say that another way. We just think, well, if God wants this, it's just going to fall in my lap. And if he doesn't, it's not going to happen. You've been deceived. You have to do something or respond to God's will. See, the word will means, I almost asked Pastor Dan to come up and explain this, but... but I'm not going to do that because of time. The word will means desire. Amen. 
So it's God's desire you don't perish, you need to respond. See, when we learn God's will through the word of God, but by seeing Jesus and knowing Jesus and who Jesus is, the son of God, who is God, who is perfect, came to this earth and showed us how to live this life. If we will understand that it's his desire. So it's God's desire you don't perish you need to respond to that. You tell your little child, don't touch that, hot, hot. Why do you say that? Because it's my will that they don't burn their hand. No, it's your desire they don't burn their hand. But how many of you know sometimes they don't respond to you? What happens? They get burnt. Yeah. A lot more than that, Pastor Ben. It's like, ah! They start crying. They hurt. They've experienced pain. Again, you tell your children your desire for their life. We told Ryan and Jill our desire about dating. How they would find their mate. We prayed for them. We prayed over them. We told them. And... I believe they did a perfect job finding their mate. They followed God's desire. God's will desire for you is good. See, when Jesus said, I am willing, we're thinking leprosy. But maybe not this. Maybe God has another plan for this. Jesus is God, his desire. It's his desire that you be healed. It's his desire that things change. And let me just say this to you. You need to respond to that. And we talked about that, didn't we? We talked about how we think, how we speak, how we act on things. When you understand the desire of God, see, walking in God's will is walking in God's desire. When you walk in God's desire, you are walking in your life knowing that God will respond back to your response. God will respond to faith. God will respond to you knowing the word of God. God will respond to a man or a woman that says, even though all Hades is breaking loose, I believe God, he's compassionate and he is willing. And I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna speak, I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna talk. My conversation will be God's will. God's, God's. That's the point that we have to get in our life. That when you understand Jesus, you understand truly God's desire about the body of Christ. I'm not going to tell you to do this, but in my life, I have been speaking more that I want to live out God's desire. Not changing God's will. Don't, I'm not, you know, getting weird on you. I'm just saying and understanding the perfectness of God's will 
is I want to live in God's desire. What's God's desire for your home, your marriage, your ministry, your future? Dive into his desire. Again, dive into his will, but dive into his desire. Because when you dive into a desire, it's more of the action on your part, what you become by knowing who he is. Jesus said, if you would have known my father, you would have known me. You would have received me when I came. But you had no clue who I was, he said to the Pharisees. You had no clue who I was because you didn't even know father. But you acted like you did. That's why you took just a few commandments that we gave you and you made over 600 of them. Laws out of them. Because you had a wrong concept of God. The third thing that the leper learned that Jesus had power. He was cleansed immediately. Wouldn't it be great if the church learned these three things about God and believed them and walked in that desire? God is compassionate. He is willing. And he is able to do what we need in our life. I believe that. Don't you, body of Christ? We have learned what Jesus did in creating us, the church, the body of Christ. We've learned our position in Christ. But now we need to stop for a moment. And now that we know who we are, Let's really begin to study who he is. Let's get into a place where our desire is Jesus Christ. Let's get into a place that Jesus is more important than your relationships. Let's get in a place where Jesus, his desires, are more important than your money or your feelings. Jeremiah 32, 17, this is an amazing truth. But you know, a lot of people don't have a concept of God this way. All Lord God, behold, You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing too hard for God. Do you have a child that may be out of line today that told you you don't give a, that they don't give a rip about church or God or anything that you believe in. They've turned their back on how you raise them. Can I say this to you? There's nothing too hard for God. He is compassionate about your child. 
He is willing. It's his desire, he or she is saved, that things will change. He's able to do it. But our concept keeps going back to the flesh. Oh, this is too hard. It'll never work. But I promise you, when you begin to visualize in your spirit, in your heart, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for you, literally everything that he did gives us the perfect picture of the Father. It can change everything. Can change everything. Let's all stand.